The Holy Gospel is written in the seventh chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke, beginning at the 11th verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. It came to pass the day after that Jesus went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, and they that bare him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea, and throughout all the region round about. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please sit for a moment. Yes, he was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. This particular story of the raising of the son of the widow at Nain is only found in Luke's gospel. And it's a useful exercise when you want to get inside the gospel to say, see what material is unique to this particular writer. Obviously, this particular writer has a particular insight or a particular way in because he takes the trouble to mention it. And Luke, as we know, was the beloved physician of Paul. He's mentioned in Acts and also in, uh, he, in the first person. He writes part of Acts as he's traveling with Paul in the first person. So he was clearly with him and saw it for himself. And of course, Paul refers to him in one of his letters as his beloved physician. It's very interesting also, just as by way of an aside for the moment, um, there are traces of doctor's language even in Luke's gospel. For instance, in that well-known saying in the other gospels, it is easier for a man to get into the, through, into the kingdom of God than for a camel to get through the eye of a needle um, in Matthew and Mark, but in Luke... The needle is not, is a physician's needle, not a housewife's needle. There are all sorts of other clues. He never refers to the Sea of Galilee because he had traveled on the Sea of the Mediterranean. He knew what the sea was like, if you see what I mean. This was just a little puddle, so he always calls it the lake. But there are all sorts of other little clues like that. And particularly this morning, the point of what I want to say is that um, Luke shows us the Jesus who is supremely human as well as divine, the compassionate Christ. And so it's to Luke, you know, we owe the story of the Good Samaritan, you won't find anywhere else. The story of the prodigal son, you won't find anywhere else. The story of the Pharisee and the publican in the temple, you won't find it anywhere else. The story of the woman who anointed Jesus' feet with the equation in Luke, 
that those who are forgiven much love much, those who are forgiven little love little? Can you begin to get now to see here's an artist with words, a smith, a wordsmith who can draw, yes, some a sort of portrait of Jesus, which I think this morning's gospel wants us to take particular note of. So having said that, what do we see in this gospel? Supremely the compassionate Christ. Yes. So the humanity of Christ. Christ coming to show us God's way of being fully human. And what is that way to be fully human? It is to have compassion. When the Lord saw the widow, he had compassion on her. The word there in Greek is one of the most powerful words in the Greek language. It means he absolutely yearned within him. Um, we find it seven times in the Gospels. There's no stronger word in the Greek language. He was moved, says one commentator, he was moved to the depths of his heart for her. Yes. How different that is from English Christianity. Stiff upper lip Christianity. <laughs> Public school Christianity, which some of us have suffered with. Yes. Here's a very different Christ. A very different Christ indeed. The ancient world, of course, the great religion was Stoicism. I think there's a strong strain of Stoicism in us Brits. Why were they so important that you mustn't be moved by compassion? You must have that stiff upper lip because they believed that God himself was unmoved because they believed that if I had the power to make you angry or to make you sad, I had a power over you. So no one can have a power over God, they argued. So God, therefore, must be unmovable. The first mover, unmoved and unmovable. That's not the picture of God that Jesus shows us, least of all in this morning's gospel. I love that phrase, every pang that rends the human heart, the man of sorrows has a part. Yes, so as we sing in Handel's Messiah, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Yes. And why particularly in this story? Because in the ancient world, before the welfare state, a widow was absolutely helpless. Possibly like Mary, the mother of Jesus, because tradition tells us that Joseph was older than Mary, that he died while Jesus was young, and therefore Jesus had the task of working in that carpenter's shop for 30 years to bring up the rest of the family. Yes, but this widow only had one son and he was dead. So the love of God is what Jesus is showing to us in this morning's gospel. And I want just to make two simple points about it. First of all, that love enabled Jesus to leap over all the barriers and human taboos and most of all the taboos of religion. Why do I particularly refer to that? Because in the Jewish religion, a dead body was unclean. Not only medically unclean, but spiritually unclean. That's why the priest and the Levite uh, passed by on the other side in the story of the Good Samaritan, because if he'd been a dead body, 
they would have been rendered unclean and therefore not able to make the offerings in the temple. Jesus wants none of that, none of that at all. So he comes right close to the beer, the beer, I'm not referring to the three pints of beer drunk in Euclid, no, I'm talking about that other beer, yes, because it wasn't a coffin, it would be on a kind of stretcher, and he comes right near, and Luke tells us deliberately, he touched it. Yes, God in Christ comes to each one of us this morning to touch you and me, yes. And secondly, he comes with a love which is stronger than death. That's the secret of the resurrection. New Testament does not say that Jesus rose from the dead. It says he was raised by the love and the power of the Father. He was raised by love, a love which could not let him go. And that same love is available to you and me. So then, here we see a picture of God very different from the picture of God in any other religion in the world. Will you stop talking about comparative religion, please? There is no comparison. No other God has been hung on a cross and crucified. No other God has had a broken heart on that cross. No other God has wept as Jesus did twice in the record of the scriptures. So, as I watched the father of Alan Hennings this last week, scarcely able to speak, pleading for his son. I knew that the God I'm coming to know in Jesus was all part of that. The God of compassion, the God who weeps, the God of a broken heart. Ah, and I only come to know that God through the person of Jesus, who that morning in Nain came close to the death, touched it with compassion and love, bid the widow weep not, and said to the man, rise, resurrection, with a new life, because the love that God brings us is stronger than death. Yes. Finish with those lovely words of Faber, the Roman Catholic hymn writer. What does he write? The love of God is broader than the measure of men's minds, and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. Thanks be to God, then, who gives us the victory. Hallelujah. <laughs>